0: No one's listening to me. Have you ever felt like that? Hey, if so, stick around.
1: Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller.
0: You know, we hear from lots of people every week and people in all different kinds of situations, and here's the deal. There's one consistent theme that has to be addressed. If nobody's listening to you, you don't have any impact or influence. So we're going to look at that today. How do you position yourself so people listen to you? Now, it doesn't matter if you're a teacher, a stay-at-home mom a pastor, an artist, an author, an advocate for better schools. You may have your own cookie shop or manufacturing plant. You may have a job where you just show up for work every day at Nissan or wherever it happens to be. But all of you have a message to share and you'll increase your chances dramatically for promotion for financial success, if you know how you present your ideas with confidence. So I've invited our friend Kent Julian on for today's episode. Kent is our dean of speaking in the 48 Days Eagles community, and I wanted him to help us understand. He he was a youth pastor, and then he went on to become professional speaker, and now he trains other people how to do that. So we're going to address some questions like, what's the best way to speak with confidence? How do you make your message memorable? How can you use your story as part of your message? And then can you really get paid to speak? So those are some of the things that I'm going to discuss with Kent. Now, here's our quotation for today. It comes from John Ford, who says, you can speak well if your tongue can deliver the message of your heart. That's going to be a real recurring theme as we talk today. A message is not just something that you just memorized words on a paper, or you're just good with grammar, syntax, those guys. No, a message that is compelling comes from your heart. Now, I've got a resource for you. And I'll have Kent share that right at the end of our conversation. He's got a resource, Nine Ways to Get Paid as a Speaker. All right. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Kent. Well, Kent, my friend, it's a delight having you spend a little time talking today about a topic that I know is near and dear to your heart. Welcome.
1: Hey, it's great to be here, Dan. Always love talking to you.
0: <laughs> well, we've been friends for a long time, which makes a conversation like this really easy. But I wanted to bring you on and talk about your expertise in this area of speaking. Now, here on the 40 Days you know, podcast, we talk about how to get your message out there. And of course, I recommend old classic books like How to Win Friends and Influence People where you know, you know how to relate to people. The Magic of Thinking Big. You know how to connect with people, how to present your idea with confidence. And it doesn't matter what anybody does. You know, anybody who's listening, if they're in a traditional job, if they have their own business, doesn't matter what they're doing, everyone is selling. So we're going to talk about how to present your ideas with confidence. So let let me just pick your brain about speaking. I mean, speaking today seems to be you know, like coaching, golly everyone wants to be a coach. Everyone wants to be a highly paid speaker. Is it still a reasonable goal for someone to approach speaking with that mindset if they're just starting out?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's there's all kinds of opportunities for speaking out there. I mean, the thing is uh, they've got to make sure if there's, it, it, just like coaching, You you can't just get into it and set up a shingle or in this case, a website and expect people to find you. So there, there is hustle, there is work behind it. And so I would say that the number one thing that I see in speaking and when I was doing career coaching, I saw this as well, is how many people give up on it way too soon. And so that's one of the reasons I always say stick-to-itiveness is your greatest competitive advantage, whether it's speaking, coaching or whatever, you, you can almost win automatically if you'll just stick with it and work a system. Eventually you'll end up beating 90, 95% of the people out who want to be speakers, who who want to be coaches simply because they don't stick with it. And so you win by, you know, just people falling by the wayside.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love that. You know, that that describes pretty much anything out there.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And here's the thing. (laughs) The the encouraging thing is you you definitely have to have some talent to be a speaker. You have to have some talent to be a coach. But what happens is we think, especially when I first started, I would see speakers and go, wow, that person is amazing on stage. I don't know if I'll ever get to be that good. But then I would meet other speakers who are starting the exact same time I was and trying to grow a business. And two years later, you know the five that I thought were really incredible speakers they 're gone they 're not doing anything i, I can 't even find them anywhere on the internet and I realize I just beat them out just because I lasted longer than them that 's interesting Wow well, there's so many
0: dynamics involved in being a professional speaker, and we want to cover a broad spectrum of speaking where somebody made speak at the Rotary Club just because they love those people, or even, I mean, teaching a Sunday school class in their church. I mean, something as simple as that. If you understand how to speak effectively with confidence, it'll increase the impact and influence you have, even if you aren't looking to get paid for that. But so let's let's kind of we'll back into the business side of this, but I want you to help us understand. I hear you talk about the importance of making your speaking content sticky. What do you mean by that? How can our audience people listening learn to make their communication sticky?
1: Okay. So you're a book guy. I'm a book guy. My absolute favorite book on speaking really isn't a speaking book and it's called made to stick Mm. by the Heath brothers. Yeah. And it's, Oh, it's my absolute favorite book. And the reason is it communicates six different principles in there that make something sticky. And what they mean by sticky is when, when it's shared, it, people don't forget it and they, they walk away and they they just don't forget it. And it can be in a presentation. It can be what makes a movie sticky, any of those things. And so these six principles, what I have found, uh, I'll back up just a little bit. I've been communicating for a long time. I used to be a youth pastor and then the executive director of a couple thousand uh, youth ministries across the nation. So I've always been speaking and really developed the Speaking chops early just because I did it so much. But when I became a professional, I just realized as I was out there speaking, about half my messages were really connecting with audiences. And the other half, even though I was doing the exact same thing, were not connecting. And I could not figure it out until I read Made to Stick. And I realized there's a system that if I can take these six principles, the more of them that I can add to a story or to a point that I want to make the stickier I can make that point. And if you can get, you know, one, one of the principles will make it, you know, somewhat sticky, but if you can get four of those principles onto a story you already have and kind of reshape that story or reshape that experience you're trying to create, it becomes highly, highly sticky. And so, my number one recommendation for anybody who wants to become a better communicator, whether it's on stage or like you said, in a Sunday school class or even in sales, I would say, man, read that book and become a student of what makes something sticky.
0: Well, you got our curiosity peaked at this point. Can you give us an example of what one of those might be?
1: Yeah. In fact, I can tell you, I, I tell this one story and it's not my most popular story I only tell it to educators when I speak to educators and it's about me being an at-risk kid oh, and yeah. an educator who made a big difference in my life and what I've been able to do to that story is add all six elements of the made to stick process and it it has skyrocketed for educators it's the most sticky thing that I do so it's basically just telling how this educator made a difference in my life when, when I, I was about ready to get kicked out of school. So I won't tell the story, but what I used to do when I spoke was just tell the story. And then I started realizing elements like um, unexpected. If you make it unexpected, that makes it sticky. So I moved it to the back of my presentation and I also told it by reading a story about this young man named Christopher. My first name is Christopher. It's not Kent. So I read this story about Christopher and I actually read it. Um, And then at the end, and it wraps up everything we just talked about in the entire presentation. And so I make that statement. Didn't that just summarize everything we just talked about, about what it me, what it takes to be a, an educator that shows up and shines every day for their students. And you see people nodding their heads and they're just like, yes, that was such a great illustration of what we've been talking about today. And I go, and I just love that story. And the reason I love that story is my name is Christopher Kent Julian and Jim Vaught was my seventh grade math teacher. And the whole audience goes, huh? man, I and got goosebumps just hearing you say it. And I've heard you tell the story. <laughs> Well, and Dan, that's just one of the six elements and I get all six of them in there. So I won't go into all the details, but just by changing where I present it, how I present it and making it this unexpected thing at the very end of my presentation, it's just like, wow.
0: Oh my. All right. Now let's, let's kind of back into this a little bit more. You, you are a writer. I'm a writer. I know that publishers look for content. A lot of times, first time authors, you know, they just tell their story. They just kind of share their experience and that's it. Well, that is descriptive and what publishers look for is what is prescriptive as well. You can tell your story, but ultimately it's what's in it for me? You know, what is the audience going to experience? So when you're speaking, how do you address this issue of, you know, what problem are you solving? Do you always make sure, I mean, do you do... Speaking that's just uh, motivational and entertaining, or is there always what is the problem that these people listening have that they can solve as a result of you sharing with them?
1: So that really depends on what type of speaker you are. And again, are you more of a motivational speaker? Are you coming into to be a real heavy content speaker that's teaching sales or different things like that. I'll just give you an insider tip that's very helpful for me and something that I actually really enjoy doing. So when I am working with a client and they bring me in and especially when it's, I'm in a newer industry. And so I get hired. I, I speak on employee engagement and how to create dream to do cultures and show up and shine employees. So, That's kind of my niche and that's my lane and that's where I get hired. And so when I'm brought in to do that, the industries I'm speaking for are not all the same. I mean, it's everything from transit to education to right now. Just today I had a, a conversation with a bank up in Michigan that has 29 branches. So I might be going in and doing something with them. So what I'll do, especially in newer industries is they're looking at me because they know, Hey, this, we've got some issues with our employees and this guy focuses on employee engagement, but I will often say to them, give me three names and email addresses of, of people that you in your organization or in your company that you just think really get it. You re they're great employees. they they understand your mission and your purpose. And then I do a 15 minute interview with each of them, and I, I have a list of questions that I just ask them about: What are the issues that you know are going on in your company? What do you think is great about it? Uh, what do you What do you think you need to have to improve? I've got this written down. I, I've got a form that I that I take them through. But long story short, that just gives me just three quick 15 minute interviews gives me so much insight into the company way more than just talking to the meeting planner or or looking at the website. And the other thing that's really great is if I can somehow get something they share into either a slide or I talk about, I was talking to so-and-so now suddenly the whole presentation just really, really connects it because they go, this guy isn't just giving us his, you know, his, uh, yeah, yeah. he's really, and all I've had to do is maybe change 5% of what I typically say or 10% of what I typically say, but it really customizes it to the, to the person who's hiring me.
0: Wow. Well, sometimes it seems the audience is asking, you know, so what, so you get up and you start to, you know, so what now, what, so if you can lead them into that, you know, now what, or have that kind of personal application, you know, it seems that we, it makes a lot of progress there in how we present and speak. Now, I know that you have some really famous stories. You already alluded to the one about your own growing up educational experience. How important are stories in communicating your message? If you have those six points that you can go through, it's a teaching, educational kind of thing. How do you use stories effectively at engaging the audience?
1: Well, actually, one of the steps in Made to Stick, one of the principles is story. That's one of the six things they say, stories, what's remembered. And so I, I do some training on how do you put together presentations. And one of the things that is so hard for people to understand is I really don't care when I'm doing a presentation. I don't care if they remember my points and often they'll go, what are you talking about? They've got to remember your points. And I'll, I'll often do this. I go, let's say I'm doing the, the presentation training on a Tuesday. I go, how many of you were in church on Sunday? And, you know, half the people <laughs> raise their hand. And I'll say, how many of you remember one of the points that was made on Sunday? And they don't. I mean, almost nobody remembers uh, unless they were taking notes. And then one of the things, if you're talking to businesses, most of the time, if you're doing a presentation, they're not taking notes. So um, the thing about a story is it, it not only gives, um, it not only illustrates the points, but stories literally show you how to live out a point. And it allows them to see the point you're trying to make lived out in real life. And so that's what makes a story so powerful. And again, you just said a minute ago, you you don't want to just describe a story. You want to take them into a story. And if you can have them living that story with you and moving through that story with you, it teaches them, you're you're actually teaching them how to live what you're trying to teach them. So often what I'll say is a story or an experience, however you're going to do it, I call these anchors. I instead of teaching content and then illustrating it, I flip it on its on its head and I will spend way more time on the story and then I'll step out of the story. And I won't necessarily say this, but what I do is when I step out of the story, I go, do you realize you just learned this? And now suddenly the stories become so powerful. I only need to spend two or three minutes teaching, quote, content because they've already lived it and they've already learned it through this telling of a story that's been told really, really well. Wow. I spoke recently for 400 auto shop owners.
0: Absolutely loved it. You know, I'm a car guy. These guys (laughs) understood every story I could come up with. And I had 10 pictures of different cars that I've had and I integrated. Those were the anchors for unwrapping how to find your zone of genius. But I I love the connection, knowing my audience, and again, not walking in, just here's a Ken presentation. The last week I gave to a bunch of realtors or bankers this week. No, I just tweaked it, that little bit, to make these guys come off the edge of their chairs. It was
1: Awesome. Well, you know, stories aren't just there to entertain. They're there to educate. And if you tell them right, you actually teach everything you want to teach within that story.
0: Oh, my. I put up a picture of when uh, some of us were in Cuba last year and I snapped pictures because there's a lot of really cool old cars there. And I snapped a picture of a car because it instantly got my attention. It was a 59 Chevy four door convertible. Well, I put that picture up on the screen. And I said, what year in model is this car? Well, lots of guys know, 59 Chevy. I says, "Uh, anything unusual about this car? Well, they got it instantly. There was no such thing as a four-door Chevy convertible. Somebody in Cuba simply cut the top off a car because they can get a little bit more money as a taxi if it's a convertible. (laughs) And and so I, I said, you know, there are a lot of times in our business... We do what we need to do to get the job done, even if we don't have an instruction book, even if the, you know, there's no precedent for it. Anyway, it was just so easy to weave it in. Well, you know, we got a lot of people listening who may not aspire to be a professional speaker, but they want to be better at presenting ideas, whether it's just ideas in meetings at work or, again, in a class that they have or even in their own home. The principles you're talking about here, and I want people to really understand this, are applicable even there. This is not how do you become, you know, the next Tim Sanders and go out and, you know, get big bucks for speaking. It's how do you present your ideas well? And you're sharing so much about that, the points that you're talking about that'll really help us. If somebody wants to kind of have speaking be on their resume, one of the things they do, do you recommend they just refine the process of speaking well or that they become known for a particular topic.
1: Uh, If are you, so are you asking if they want to actually become speaking becomes part of their business? Yes. Oh yeah. Then they, you definitely need to be known for a topic. You've got to pick a lane because if it's just about, Hey, I can speak on this or this or this, it's really hard. It's, it's like coaching, Dan, Dan, you know, you're known as the career guy. And then if you niched it even more, you would be known as uh, the career guy who you've probably got two lanes that really works with people who are looking, you know, they're, as you like to say, um, do whatever you want until you're 50, and then you'll get a good feel for what you want to do. So I know that's one of your lanes. And I know another one of your lanes is, you know, creative income or working on your own. Those seem to be two lanes that that you're taking clients in. And so it's the exact same way. If somebody came out as a speaker and just said, well, I, I speak on goal setting and I speak on leadership and I speak on employee engagement and I speak on finances, yeah. you know, it's just too watered down.
0: You know, like a lot of times authors assume that, well, if I'm really good, if I did good in grammar and English lit in college, you know, I ought to write a book because they just understand syntax, punctuation and grammar that does not make a good book. When I tell people, write a book because you have a message you can't keep inside of you. And I would assume speaking is much the same. When you speak about something you really care about, you speak with passion, eloquence, and all of that. So it's not just a matter of semantics where you speak well and are, have a nice voice, but you have a
1: message people care about. And that's what really comes through. And that's what helps you bust out instead of blend in with everybody, because believe it or not, one of the most encouraging things you can do, if you want to add speaking to your business, one of the most encouraging things you can do is go to a conference and watch a lot of the speakers that are up there and you'll go, holy cow, how are they getting booked? Because (laughs) (laughs) there's, I mean, there's just, that was one of the most encouraging things when I first started. I was like, there's not that many really good people and the ones that really stood out had the things you just said number one super passionate you could tell they love their topic and they were really good at it but then number two they did the kind of things that uh, people can find out about and made to stick that just made their message so sticky so definitely definitely uh, you know be passionate about what you're gonna speak on and and become a good presenter all right now we talk a lot of, on here about how to use the 15
0: hours a week for side businesses that we want to get going. Is that reasonable? Let's say somebody, you know, wants to really experiment here, but they can't just quit their job and go be a speaker. Can you follow that 15 hour a week guideline and establish yourself as a speaker?
1: Okay. So absolutely you can. And, um, I'm just going to give a little plug here. If people will go listen to, uh, uh, paid to speak podcast.com slash four. It's my fourth episode. I talk all about that, but I'll, I'll tell you this, Dan, that 15 hour thing, you you know, my story. Uh, when I first started, I was the executive director of a couple thousand churches. I was traveling a hundred nights a year. I I wanted to be a speaker, but there's no way I could start with speaking because I was just traveling too much. So I started a career coaching business and you saw that grow. It took three years slowly, but surely just grew real strategically until I could quit my full-time job. And then, then my full-time job was career coaching. It was my own business, but that was my full-time job and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. And so I took all of those things that I learned doing that 15 hours a week to grow my career coaching business. I did the exact same thing for speaking and it didn't take me quite as long because I, you know, I already knew quite a bit about speaking and how to grow it, but I did the exact same thing until speaking just ended up replacing career coaching for me. So I actually say I've done that with two careers now, (laughs) career coaching and speaking. So it's absolutely possible. The biggest thing is how do you use those hours and you've got to use those hours if you've only got 15 you've got to really i say you've got to hire pareto and use a pareto principle and you've got to put as much time and energy in the 20% activities that are going to produce 80% of your results that are actually going to put money in your pocket and that's where a lot of entrepreneurs mess up they might give it the 15 hours but they're piddling around doing 80% activities that only produce 20% of the results. And when you first start, it's what is going to produce revenue. Do those few activities and just zero in on those things and keep doing them and doing them, doing it and stick to it. It will eventually really help you launch your business.
0: One well, one of those things certainly is is marketing. And I know you have really executed well your process for marketing where you reach out personally, you follow up, you send gifts and all those kind of things. I remember hearing, well, Robert D Smith talk about the early days when he was working with Andy Andrews and Andy was really unknown, but he was wanting to be booked just doing comedy presentations in colleges, 500 bucks a piece is what the originally started out with years and years ago. Well, and Robert didn't know what he was doing, but he just started calling colleges and universities, he discovered that if he made 30 calls, he was always going to book Andy once. He thought it was a magic ticket. Wow. All you have to do is pick up the phone 30 times and I know I'm going to book him somewhere. Well, today, people seem to cringe at that, the hard work of getting recognized, getting started. They want people knocking on their door from day one. You've done a lot of similar things like I just described in reaching out, building relationships, where over that three-year period, all of a sudden, then things started to really work pretty smoothly, correct? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And you can do it without being pushy or salesy. And so back in the day, Robert did that, you know, picked up the phone and called because how else are you going to get in touch with people? Um, but a couple of things I'd say is when you are calling, if you're calling people who you know have to have a speaker for an event, they don't necessarily see that as pushy. So you've got to remember that. If if I was just calling a random company and I don't know if they hire speakers, then that would be very pushy. But if you're calling and you know, hey, they, they book speakers every six months, they have a conference and they need speakers. That's not a bad thing to do. But more than anything, and this is something that you helped me with learning uh, nurture March marketing is how can you market and reach out consistently and not just say, pick me, pick me, pick me. When's your next when's your next conference? Are you hiring speakers now? That's what's annoying. But if you learn how to reach out and you're always serving and always adding value when you're reaching out. And then as part of reaching out, you're letting them know about your speaking services. Boy, that's not that's not pushy and that's not salesy. That's serving while you're selling. Now, when you started out, you had
0: a lot of history working in, in churches. Let's say that somebody that doesn't have that particularly in their background, but they want to get started. What are some likely places when you talk about, you know, organizations, book speakers, what, what are some likely places for somebody to get started or to have opportunities to speak in front
1: of groups? Well, I would say two things. I would say, number one, if you if you're really trying to develop your message, if you live even close to anything that's uh, somewhat of a metropolitan area, so I'm talking towns of 200,000 or or bigger, there are probably lunch and learns going on every single day, and it's not just Rotary, it's not just um, Chamber of Commerce. I, I, literally, I could Google my county. I live in Gwinnett County, Lunch and Learns, and I probably could come up with 30 options throughout the week that I could potentially speak at. So that's a great free thing to do in your own community. But the other thing I would say is if you're looking to go beyond your community and you're at the place where you're beginning to say, hey, I think I can start getting paid for this. There's an association for everything. Dan, there's an association for everything. I have spoken at the association for DJs. Uh, I, I haven't spoken at this one, but I was, I was, I came in second. So I got declined for this one, but I came in second for the association of roller skating rings. I mean, there's an association (laughs) for everything that you can think of. And most associations they put on conferences because they're trying to gather their members together. And that's kind of their business model. And at those meetings, they're hiring speakers.
0: Wow. That's interesting. Well, can't, just a couple more questions here. I know you've got a podcast that deals with it. I've got it up on one of my screens here, paid to speak podcast.com. What is some,
1: you do this weekly, correct? Yeah, we're going to do it weekly. We'll probably occasionally because of my speaking, uh, there might be times where we do a season. So it'll be weekly. And then there might be like three weeks off because I'm just on the road too much. Um, But it will be very, very consistent. Yes.
0: All right. And so that again, that is paid to speak podcast.com. And I know you have a free resource there.
1: Nine ways to get paid as a speaker. So yeah, and it's a great little resource because some people think the only way you can get paid is if you're on the main stage. That's how I do it. That's one of the two of the stream of uh, the ways on there that I do it. But there's all kinds of ways there. You can uh, be a facilitator. You can be an MC. So it just goes through nine different ways, and these are just ways of professional speakers that I know are full time speakers that are doing these nine different ways. I thought there's way more than what I listed, but I thought here's some real common ones where I actually know people who are making a full-time living doing these things.
0: Yeah. Well, there's another concept that I want you to kind of lay out here. You know, this is something near and dear to my heart. And that is you often talk about never speak for free, even if, but, but you sometimes don't get paid for speaking unpack that a little bit, just enlighten our listeners a little bit here about the ways you make money, even if you don't get a speaker's fee.
1: So, yeah, so one of the things, and you've got to do this at the beginning when you first start, you've got to speak for free. You've got to get time on your feet, you know, so that just that you become a better communicator. But often what people will do is they'll just speak for free and they don't realize, no, there's a lot of value in what you're doing. So if they don't, if they don't have a paycheck, you can actually get value from them and and so you you want to do that. You'll say, "Well, my fee is usually so let's just say you're starting at the beginning and your fee's a thousand dollars. My fee's usually a thousand dollars, but I would I'll waive that fee if, and then you fill in the blank and you can fill it in with if you're videotaping the presentation, and I can get a copy of that videotape if." You will write a testimony on letterhead, on your letterhead form. If you'll introduce me to three, if I do a good job, you'll introduce me to three other people who might be willing to speak. And there's just so many things you can fill in that blank with. You're a
0: master at writing short little books so that you have something at the back
1: of the room. Absolutely. I forgot about that one, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's
0: not that you want to get it on Amazon and sell a million copies. But if you have that, if you have a book that cost you 80 cents to produce the back of the room, you know, and you hold it up and say you can get these today. I mean, tell us about a couple techniques that you've used there where you make significant income from products you've got.
1: So this is a great story because, you know, Pierce Mars is real well and you've talked about him on the the podcast. Well, I was doing an event up in Tennessee and it was when I was first getting into the education market. And so they um, they called me and they said, well, all our keynotes are filled, um, but would you be willing to do a breakout? And all we've got is $300. And I said, I'd be more than willing to come up and do a breakout for $300. In fact, if I come up there, I don't want to just, you know, do one. I'd rather really serve. I'd love to, you know, do maybe two in the afternoon and one the next morning. If I'm going to come up there, I've got to stay overnight. Um, and they were like, you would do that for us? You would really do that? I said, absolutely. So long story short, I brought all these, uh, all this product with me and I was getting paid $300. My first breakout I did, Dan, I was in this room that could have sat at least 400 people. And I think there was 12 to 15 people in there, mm. but I did my thing, did it really, really well. And then the next session there was, you know, word got out, Hey, this guy's pretty good. And probably about 50 people showed up. And then the next morning after the keynote, and this is when Mars was there, uh, Pierce was there. I did the presentation and I bet you about half the conference was in my breakout. And we sold so much product and in fact there was another breakout coming in right after us and and i we there's no way we had 15 minutes we couldn't sell all the product and this lady was getting mad at me and so i said to pierce i said let's pick up the table and move it and i asked the the meeting planner where do we move it to oh you can move it way down the hall so we literally picked up this table and walked it, it had to be 150 Yards like down this whole hallway (laughs) with product on it. Here's Mars, uh, Pierce and I walking and with this line of, you know, 75, 80 educators behind us, we put the table down. And Pierce will tell you, he's he just stood there for about 45 minutes taking $20 bills, $20 bills. And I ended up selling about $2,500 worth of product. There you go. I love that.
0: I love that. Well, that's, that's a real core message for our 48 Days audience is how to be creative and leverage your message. Don't worry about getting paid from the stage. Look at ways to generate income, significant income in other creative ways. Well, Kent, this has been a delight, man. I know you've got an event coming up later this year. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and what someone can expect to happen there.
1: Well, I do this event called, I do two events, paid to speak conference and the killer keynote conference. And instead of taking a lot of time, if people just want to go to paid to speak they can find out all about it. It's in September, but honestly, uh, the best thing they can do right now is just go listen to paid to speak podcast. You can find it anywhere. It's just called paid to speak. And if you want to go to the website, it's paid to speak and and in that way, they can start learning, uh, you know, all these different things that we teach in speaking. And then if they're interested in the conference, they can definitely check it out. All right. Well,
0: golly, some, someday we'll break down the story of how you and I met as well. But, golly, I've, I've watched you from day one as you started on this journey as a speaker, coming out as a youth pastor, but transitioning oh, very oh, carefully brain. into this. Oh, wow. And here you are, golly, I really admire what you're doing. I know your heart for serving people well, whether it's audiences or customers in other ways, highly recommend your conference. Those of you who are listening who really want to know more with a conference coming up, I mean, start listening to the podcast immediately, be anticipating other things and ways that you can connect with my friend Kent here and put yourself on this path. Thank you, Kent. Thank you, Dan. It's been great being with you. Well, there you go. My conversation with Kent, you know, there's so many things that that prompted me to think about and remember in my own speaking path. I grew up in Mennonite. I mean, we were taught to be quiet, be behind the scenes. You would never promote yourself, never stand up, you know, like you had something important to, stay, to say. And as I grew coming through the Ohio State University and then seeing opportunities where I could, in fact, do things that were creative, I realized the importance of being able to present my message well. So I went through the Dale Carnegie program to help me be comfortable standing up and speaking. That was transformational for me and continued. Then I got a teaching assistantship when I went back for my graduate work where I needed to teach classes and that led into other things. And of course, you know that my entire business grew out of teaching a Sunday school class. Well, I told a lot of stories, did a lot of things in that class that Kent just talked about here. So today I I love the opportunities to speak, but I don't want to speak Three times a week. I don't want to be gone, so I look for opportunities to speak about once a month. Some of those are paid, some of those are not. Depends on the audience. There are times when, because of the audience that's going to be there, I speak without requiring any kind of a fee at all. An example of that: I spoke well last five years at Social Media Marketing World in San Diego, because everybody in the seats there. Is a candidate for the other things that I do in my business. Here's an example. We were doing an event here at the sanctuary, and I asked, I was presenting this particular piece. I said, Why would I possibly be willing to speak for free? And a guy sitting in the very back row, I remember exactly where he was sitting, tentatively raised his hand. He said, I think I may know why. Now this guy was a physician. And I said, Okay, why do you think I would speak for free? He said, Well, I have a friend who went to that conference in San Diego. He said, I wasn't there, but she was there. She told me about you. I went on your website, and I saw that you were gonna do a conference coming up that was called Coaching with Excellence. That's $1,000. He said, I came to that. The one he was sitting in right then was called Innovate. That was another $1,000. So that's $2,000. He said, then I joined your coaching mastery program. I went through that. That's $4,800. Then he joined my mastermind which is $6,000 a year. So I was writing things on the board as he was talking and without going any further than that, now he had also purchased some some courses, some seminars, but just those primary things right there, already that was $12,800. One participant who heard me speak, see if you know who's going to be in the audience, you can really alleviate the pressure from having to get a paycheck when you walk off the stage. Now there are other times when, that's more appropriate if I speak to an, an audience, even like in universities, there I always get paid because I don't expect to get much back in business from the students who are listening. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this. Gally, just an exciting uh, topic. Again, no matter what it is you do, if you never generate a penny from speaking, you but you, you can't avoid generating additional income if you know how to speak well. It'll translate in no matter what it is you're doing, it'll translate into helping you better at what it is that you're trying to do. Well, so just one of the many pieces here. I love coming up with these themes, but having these pieces that can help you no matter again what it is that you're doing. So I'm grateful for you being part of this community. If you've got questions or success stories or questions for Kent, even things about speaking, of course, you can go to his site, paidtospeakpodcast.com, get that free resource, Nine Ways to Get Paid as a Speaker. But for those questions that you'd like to have integrated into our ongoing show here, 48 Days Radio, just shoot those into me at askdan at 48 dayscom And again, I'm grateful for you being part of this community where together we share ideas and resources encourage each other, inspire each other, and together we know we can, without any question, find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.